Chapter Thirty Nine of Our Vanishing Wildlife. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joan Freeman. Our Vanishing Wildlife by William T. Hornaday. Chapter Thirty Nine: British Game Preserves in Africa and Australia. This brief chapter is offered as an object lesson to the world at large. In the early days of America, the founders of our states and territories gave little heed, or none at all, to the preservation of wildlife. Even if they thought of that duty, undoubtedly they felt that the game would always last, and that they had no time for such sentimental side issues as the making of game preserves. They were coping with troubles and perplexities of many kinds, and it is not to be wondered at that up to forty years ago real game protection in America went chiefly by default. In South Africa, precisely the same conditions have prevailed until recent times. The early colonists were kept so busy shooting lions and making farms that not one game preserve was made. If any men can be excused from the work and worry of preserving game and making preserves, it is those who spend their lives pioneering and state-building in countries like Africa. Men who continually have to contend with disease, bad food, rains, insect pests, dangerous wild beasts, and native cussedness may well claim that they have troubles enough without going far into campaigns to preserve wild animals in countries where animals are plentiful and cheap. It is for this reason that the people of Alaska cannot be relied upon to preserve the Alaskan game. They are busy with other things that are of more importance to them. In May 1900, representatives of the great powers owning territory in Africa held a conference in the interests of the wild animal life of that continent. As a result, a convention was signed by which those powers bound themselves quote, to make provision for the prevention of further undue destruction of wild game. End quote. The principles laid down for universal observance were as follows. Number one, sparing of females and immature animals. Two, the establishment of close seasons and game sanctuaries. Three, absolute protection of rare species. Four, restrictions on export for trading purposes of skins, horns, tusks, etc. Five, prohibition of the use of pits, snares, and game traps. The brave and hardy men who are making for the British people a grand empire in Africa probably are greater men than far distant people realize. To them the white man's burden of game preservation is accepted as all in the day's work. A mere handful of British civil officers, strongly aided by the Society for the Preservation of the Fauna of the British Empire, have carved out and set aside a great chain of game preserves reaching all the way from Swaziland and the Transvaal to Khartoum. Taken either collectively or separately, it represents grand work, characteristic of the greatest colonizers on earth. Those preserves are worthy stones in the foundation of what one day will be a great British Empire in Africa. The names of the men who proposed them and wrought them out should, in some way, be imperishably connected with them as their founders, as the least reward that posterity can bestow. In Major J. Stevenson Hamilton's fine work, Animal Life in Africa, the author has been at much pains to publish an excellent series of maps showing the locations of the various British game preserves in Africa. 
and the map published herewith has been based chiefly on that work. It is indeed fortunate for the wildlife of Africa that it has today so powerful a champion and exponent as this author, the warden of the Transvaal Game Preserves. Events move so rapidly that up to this date no one, so far as I am aware, has paused long enough to make and publish an annotated list of the African game preserves. Herein I have attempted to begin that task myself, and I regret that at this distance it is impossible for me to set down, under the several titles, the names of the men who made these preserves possible, and actually founded them. To thoughtful Americans I particularly commend this list as a showing of the work of men who have not waited until the game had been practically exterminated before creating sanctuaries in which to preserve it. In view of these results, how trivial and small of soul seems the mercenary efforts of the organized wool-growers of Montana to thwart our plan to secure a paltry fifteen square miles of grasslands for the rugged and arid Snow Creek Antelope Preserve that is intended to help save a valuable species from quick extermination. At this point I must quote the views of a high authority on the status of wildlife and game preserves in Africa. The following is from Major Stevenson Hamilton's book. It is a remarkable phenomenon in human affairs how seldom the experience of others seems to turn the scale of action. There are, I take it, very few farmers in the Cape Colony, the Orange Free State, or the Transvaal, who would not be glad to see an adequate supply of game upon their land. Indeed, the writer is constantly dealing with applications as to the possibility of reintroducing various species from the game reserves to private farms, and only the question of expense and the difficulty of transport have, up to the present, prevented this being done on a considerable scale. When, therefore, the relatively small populations of such protectorates, as are still well stocked with game, are heard airily discussing the advisability of getting rid of it as quickly as possible, one realizes how often vain are the teachings of history, and how well-nigh hopeless it is to quote the result of similar action elsewhere. It remains only to trust that things may be seen in truer perspective ere it is too late, and that those in whose temporary charge it is may not cast recklessly away one of nature's most splendid assets, one, moreover, which once lightly discarded can never by any possibility be regained. At this point there is a map of Africa with the numbered preserves. The map is titled The Most Important Game Preserves of Africa. This quote from Animal Life in Africa, page 24, is included. It is idle to say that the advance of civilization must necessarily mean the total disappearance of all wild animals. This is one of those glib fallacies which flows only too readily from unthinking lips. Civilization in its full sense, not the advent of a few scattered pioneers, of course, implies their restriction, especially as regards purely grass-feeding species, within certain definite bounds, both as regards numbers and sanctuaries. But this is a very different thing from wholesale destruction, that a few more or less deserving individuals may receive some small pecuniary benefit, or gratify their taste for slaughter to the detriment of everyone else who may come after. The fauna of an empire is the property of that empire as a whole, and not of the small portion of it where the animals may happen to exist. And while full justice and encouragement must be given to the farmer and pioneer, neither should be permitted to entirely demolish, for his own advantage, 
resources which, strictly speaking, are not his own. Here follows a listing of the game preserves, as they are notated on the map. African Game Preserves British East Africa 1. The Athai Plains Preserve This is situated between the Uganda Railway and the boundary of German East Africa. Its northern boundary is one mile north of the railway track. It is about 215 miles long east and west, by 105 miles from north to south, and its area is about 13,000 square miles. It is truly a great preserve and worthy of the plains fauna that it is specially intended to perpetuate. 2. The Jubiland Preserve This preserve lies northwest of Mount Kenia. Its southwestern corner is near Lake Baringo. The Lycopeac Escarpment is its western boundary up to Mount Nioro, and from that point its northern boundary runs 225 miles to Marsabit Lake. From that point the boundary runs south by west to the Guaso Nioro River, which forms the eastern half of the southern boundary. Its total area appears to be about 13,000 square miles. In addition to the two great preserves described above, the government of British East Africa has established on the Uesin Gishu Plateau a centrally located sanctuary for elands, roan, antelopes, and hippopotami. There is also a small special rhinoceros preserve about 50 miles southeastward of Nairobi, around Kiu Station on the railway. Egyptian Sudan, number three. A great nameless sanctuary for wildlife exists on the eastern bank of the Nile, comprising the whole territory between the main stream, the Blue Nile, and Abyssinia. Its length, north and south, is 215 miles, and its width is about 125 miles, which means a total area of about 26,875 square miles. Natives and others living within this sanctuary may hunt therein if they can procure licenses. Somaliland. Number four, the Hargeis Reserve, about 1,800 square miles. Five, the Mirso Reserve, about 300 square miles. Uganda. Six, the Budanga Forest Reserve. This small reserve embraces the whole eastern shore and hinterland of Lake Albert Nyanza and is shaped like a new moon. Seven, Toro Reserve. This small reserve lies between Lakes Albert Nyanza and Albert Edward Nyanza, touching both. Nyasaland, or the British Central Africa Protectorate. A small territory, but remarkably well stocked with game. 8. Elephant Marsh Preserve. A small area in the extreme southern end of the protectorate, on both sides of the Shire River, chiefly for buffalo. 9. Ngannaland Reserve. This was created especially to preserve about 1,000 elephants. It is 40 miles west of the southwestern arm of Lake Nyasa. Transvaal 10. Sabi Singwitsa Fungola Preserve This great preserve occupies the whole region between the Drakenberg Mountains and the Labombo Hills. Its total area is about 10,500 square miles. It lies in a compact block about 210 miles long by 50 miles wide along the Portuguese border. 11. The Rustenburg Reserve. This is situated at the head of the Limpopo River and covers about 3,500 square miles. Swaziland. 12. The Swaziland Reserve contains about 1,750 square miles and occupies the southwestern corner of Swaziland. Rhodesia. 13. 
the Nueru Marsh Game Reserve is in northwestern Rhodesia, bordering the Congo Free State. The description of its local boundaries is quite unintelligible outside of Rhodesia. Luangwa Reserve the locality of this reserve cannot be determined from the official description, which gives no clue to its shape or size. Game Preserves in Australasia New Zealand, Little Barrier Island in the north and Resolution Island in the south, and concerning both, details are lacking. Australia Kangaroo Island near Adelaide, South Australia, is 400 miles northwest of Melbourne. Of the total area of this rather large island of 300 square miles, 140 square miles have been set aside as a game preserve, chiefly for the preservation of the Mali bird, Lipoa ocelata. It is believed that eventually the whole island will become a wildlife sanctuary, and it would seem that this cannot be consummated a day too soon for the vanishing wildlife. Wilson's Promontory, Adelaide, is a peninsula well suited to the preservation of wildlife, especially birds, and it is now a sanctuary. Many private bird refuges have been created in Australia. Tasmania. Eleven bird refuges have been created with a total area of 26,000 acres, an excellent record for Tasmania. Fresinets Peninsula. At present, this wildlife sanctuary is not adequately protected from illicit hunting and trapping but its full protection is now demanded, and no doubt this soon will be provided by the government. I am informed that this offers a golden opportunity to secure a fine wildlife sanctuary at ridiculously small cost to the public. The whole world is interested in the preservation of the remarkable fauna of Tasmania. The extermination of the thylacine would be a zoological calamity, but it is impending. End of chapter 39